Hey everybody, it's Dave here. We have Flip in the middle and Tyler on the end. And we are starting inside the two-minute mark. We are watching, getting ready for this show. I am behind schedule as usual. This is the first post-game show live. And I'm wondering if the only place we're seeing it is on YouTube, even if they picked it up. Let's check it out. Yes, it is live. Good on YouTube. All right. Let's Guys, do it. what are your thoughts so far? Uh, are we hitting the roll in or? We will. But. Hey, it's a preseason game. <laughs> no give us a no brief. need to be too fired up. Yeah. Oh, we got no oh, Facebook picked up. Outstanding, Andrew. Hey, Mary Skull. Oh. We usually hit the roll-in right after the game ends. Hit the roll-in. The fans are ready. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Let's do this. Get ready to join the conversation. Win or lose. Victory or agonizing defeat. Disappointment or glory climbing the pocket is here and we are back from the roll-in daniel all right all right Jim, dan mary andrew thank you for joining us yes here we go i'm showing 41 seconds on the clock what are you guys showing game over i don't I don't even have a TV in this room that I do this in. So the game's over as far as I'm concerned. Let's let's talk. All right. Let me kill my TV. I can find my remote. <laughs> go. Ba-boom. And, yes, we lost. All right. So, hey, we, we lost. Let's go around. What do we think about this game? Let's start with a low light from each of you. Tyler, What what's your main bad thing that you took away from this game our backup quarterback situation is booty it, it's look uh, Mon showed a couple flashes but on that on that play and i talked about it on the space and i tweeted about it that play where he scrambles around and has that misfire in the back of the end zone is the epitome of one why the vikings took a chance on him in round three and two why they shouldn't have drafted him at all because it there is a lot that you can work with with kellen Mon. There is athleticism. There is a, a a decent arm. But the problem is, in, be, in between the ears, he cannot process the information in front of him fast enough and make quick enough and confident decisions in order to take advantage of his athletic gifts. We saw it for four years at Texas A&M. We continue to see that with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Banyan, great coach, bad player. Very similar to his boss, Kevin O'Connell. So the Vikings need to figure out this backup quarterback situation. Obviously, if something happens to Kirk Cousins, the season's probably over to begin with. But if he's out for, let's say, one game, let's say COVID strikes him again, you have to have somebody that can come in and win a game for you. Right now, the Vikings Why do you have to have that? Why do you have to have that? Let's, let's be honest. Why do you have to have that? You, you should have a backup quarterback that can come in and win you a game or two. You're not going to have a backup quarterback that's going to give you a Case Keenum lightning in a bottle run. You're just not going to be able to find that. If you find it, well, the Vikings did in both 1998 and 2017. Those are um, 
far and away the exceptions to the rule. You should have a guy that can come in win you one or two games. The Vikings don't have anything close to that right yeah. now. They should be able to find something like that. I, you know, I, I, I understand that, Tyler, but at, at the same time, this is where I'm like, I guess we're going to hop into the quarterback conversation. <laughs> um, the Vikings don't have realistic Super Bowl aspirations at this point in 2022. And while we should have a backup quarterback situation that's better than what we have, I completely agree with that. The fact that we don't, it's like, well, how many NFL teams actually do? How many NFL teams have a backup quarterback that they trust to come in and and replace their QB1 in case something goes wrong? I mean, the Rams don't have that. Um, The 49ers, if they trade Jimmy Garoppolo, they're not going to have that. Teams like the Patriots who are trying out a new rookie quarterback or like the Bears with Justin Fields don't have that. So there are several teams around the league that have a but for a backup quarterback situation. The only reason that we're so focused on this point right now is because the, the our QB1 wasn't available. We know that both of these quarterback twos aren't very good. And the other thing I'm going to say that if you're going to criticize these quarterback twos after this game in relation to this game, it's Sean Mannion that we should be talking about first because as bad as Mond was with, with the accuracy, Mannion has been the same crap-ass quarterback on the field that he's been since he's been through Minnesota. And at least Mon so showed progress. Like, nobody, every, when we drafted Mon, everybody thought he was a project. Everybody thought there was a good chance he would never amount to anything. But at least we saw him take significant strides. He looked like a different quarterback, like a better quarterback before than he was last year. And he looked like a better quarterback over the course of that game. So at least our developmental QB is starting to develop. That's not unfair. Um, I, I think Mannion is never going to be any better than what he is right now. And he showed he's awful. Um, but I yeah. still think that we need to have something better than Mond. Because I, I've, I haven't been a fan of the Mond pick since it was made. I don't think Mond well, is going to be better than what he is right now. And that's the tough part. What do you want the quarterback two to be? Do you want the quarterback two to be a guy who can come in and win you a game? Do you want the quarterback two to be a guy who QB one can rely on during game planning during the course of the game? When, when Kirk cousins is healthy, it makes sense to have Sean Mannion when he's hurt. Like he was today, Sean Mannion doesn't make any sense at all. And so that's where I, I struggle with this conversation is, we know these guys can't win us a game. They're not designed to win us a game. So why are we asking them to look like they can win us a game? My best case scenario for this uh, flip is this. I would have pounded the table to sign a guy like Chase Daniel. He's a veteran. Mm-hmm. He's already proven that he can win games in the National Football League, mainly by beating us when he replaced Mitch Trubisky a couple <laughs> years back. And he has, he has that clipboard mentality as well where he could replace uh, Sean Mannion. And the frustration I have with the Mannion conversation is if you want to have a guy in the room that Kirk Cousins can rely on for that like clipboard holder per se, just hire another assistant. Give Kirk Cousins yeah. his own guy that he can rely on in the quarterback room. Like I, I would rather pay like $3 million to Chase Daniel for that ability to come in and be able to win you a couple games if needed than uh, pay Sean Mannion 
the minimum when you know he's barely going to be able to throw a touchdown pass. And his best play last year ended up being a tip ball to Garrett Bradbury, where Bradbury got 25 yards after the catch. Like, that's kind of where we're at, right? And, like, Mond, I think, Mond in theory is great. Like, that's the kind of guy you want to have as your backup quarterback if you can't find a Chase Daniel. Because those guys are, there's probably like five of that type of player in the NFL, maybe a couple more. And there's a 5% chance he catches fire. There was a five percent. All you're asking, like, yeah. Unlike all many. you want from that guy's, all you want from that guy's to be able to come in and play well enough to run an offense and rely on the skill players around him to carry that offense and win a football game, like Matt Moore did for the Chiefs a few years back. Like we're yes. we're not yes. asking for the world, we're asking for enough. And right now we don't that, have yeah. enough. And that's why Mannion to me is ten times more frustrating than Kellen Mond in this situation because okay sure he can hold the clipboard like a Matt Moore like a Chase Daniel but you get him onto the field and it's like what is this guy doing here like at least we know when we put Kellen Mond in the game the expectation should be low but he's better than he was before and if if push comes to shove I think Kellen Mond should be QB2 if Kirk Cousins gets injured in week five I expect Kellen Mond to simply look better than he did today even, continue to make progress, that's enough for me as we head through the season because, let's be honest, we're not getting like a a Nick Mullins or a Jared Stidham to come in here. We've got to make a decision between one of these two guys, and I'm sick of being a clipboard holder as the main reason to keep Sean Mannion. If you want to keep Sean Mannion, just tell him, hey, we're not going to bring you back. But we'll give you like let's say four hundred thousand dollars to be an assistant. There you okay, go. Okay, but like, can this guy actually coach? Let's be honest. Like, I don't think this guy can coach. I don't think he's hey, d- helping to I develop no John Mannion. Come on. Uh, who knows if he can coach? But everything that we've heard is that's the reason why he's still in the building is because he is like an extra coach, quote unquote. And that, Ken, they obviously Kirk Cousins shouldn't even need one. That. Kirk Cousins doesn't I, I need agree. an extra coach. Don't get me started there either. Oh, we got to go to the next low light. We got to go to the next low light. Since you haven't yeah. got to me yet, was especially it, in the second half, I started noticing the edges on the defense, defensive edge positions, and I didn't notice, notice who was playing. But they were losing edge contain. They were either being pulled in, they didn't push up the tackles to get in the way, and, they were, and the Raiders were finding the edges on us. And that's purely on that outside linebacker position to maintain, contain in a 3-4 defense. They've got to do that. And like I said, it was the fourth quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. We're only talking about the third stringers. They're probably, you know, it's questionable. There are some plays I like, but others that I didn't. So... But that was my focus, besides the quarterbacks. We all focused on that. But the edge guys got to firm things up. And, of course, we didn't see either of the starters on that today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to come back at you with there, Dave. I I think that's a very fair complaint. It looked like the pass rush was a little bit lackluster all game. I know the run game, Harrison Phillips. Uh, DJ Wanham and Dalvin Domlinson did a really good job of shutting down some of the Raiders run game early in the game. Tyler, did you see anything that popped out with our defensive line play? 
Yeah, I saw two things. One, Jonathan Bullard, the free agent signing we had a few weeks ago, played for, with both San Francisco and Chicago in the Vic Fangio defense, played very well. Um, I, I was really excited to see that. He can do a little three technique, five technique. If you're going small ball, he can play like a one technique or a nose, but that's really only on pass rush downs. And then DJ Wanham, it's, it's year three, man. Where's your pass rush plan? Almost every time he was in the backfield, it was either like, hey, I'm just going to run straight at the guy and hope I can get in there or something happened where a hole opened up in front of him. There needs to be more to his game. And it's frustrating that we've heard positive reports about him at camp, but last year there was really no plan. Most of his sacks were effort-driven or, hey, you're just going to be unblocked. And we still, I'm still seeing the same things. I thought Patrick Jones had a couple really nice reps. Um, I was talking with Luke Braun, friend of the show, host of Lockdown Vikings last year, and he put it great. At Pitt, he had four pass rush moves, all at about 30%. He can do a lot. He's not really great at any of them. If we can continue to develop each one of those moves, we can get, a, at worst, a rotational pass rush, and that's incredibly valuable in this defense. I saw yeah. Armand Watts with good run stop. I saw Asaboa get swallowed up on one play. That explosiveness two plays. was Awesome. But, uh, two plays later, he nailed it for a tackle for mm-hmm. loss. Um, there's hope. Yeah. I, there's hope on that. All right. There's hope, and that's why we're going to switch to highlights. So, Dave, give me one highlight from the first preseason game. One highlight? Actually, we did get some sacks at the, in the first half. We had three, and I think we got mm-hmm. one or two in the second. So, there's progress. I love seeing Booth out there, even though he got flagged mm-hmm. twice on, the, I think, the first play or whatever it was. I love that attitude. I saw Dantzler hitting. He was popping people all day long. He was around the ball. Dantzler probably gets my ball of the game for what I remember seeing, especially in that first half. Hey, hey there's a new culture in Minnesota now. We don't we don't yell at our players for missed tackles or penalties anymore, guys. That That's the Zimmer way. We need to be players, coaches. We need to be player-centric. When they mess up, you just tell them everything's going to be okay. So that, that can't be a low light. We can't criticize penalties anymore. It's a new regime. Tyler, what was your highlight? Ty Chandler and the running back depth. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I talked about it um, in the space and I talked about it online. I don't see how Alexander Madison makes this football team if Wang Wu and Chandler keep playing like this. One, they both showed more vision and they have more explosiveness. And Madison's big issue, he has all the tools, but he can't see what's in front of him and take advantage of those opportunities. And we saw it again in this game. That it was, I think it was the second run from scrimmage. If he takes it right where there's a hole in that zone, he gets about seven yards and potentially ten if he breaks a tackle in the process. Instead, he stays straight ahead and only gets four, and the Vikings end up going three and out. Well, the second Wong Wu and Chandler come in, they're seeing the things in front of them. They're taking advantage of the holes that are opening up by the offensive line, and they are doing a great job, and they also have that added element of explosiveness. Kwesi Dofo Mensah in his yeah. first draft, albeit with Zimmer's old scouts, they focused on 10-yard split, that initial explosiveness and burst. Chandler has that, finishing, I believe, in the 93rd percentile in 10-yard split. Wangwo, we already know, has it. And to see them be able to utilize that in the running game, and then Ty Chandler absorbing that hit on the kickoff return and then taking it around the right side for 56 yards, I I really think 
One, Madison's not going to have any dead cap because it was a third-round um, selection four years ago. I, I don't see how he's going to end up being better than these two guys. Like, I think Madison's time with the Vikings is done. Woo! Hot take. Hot take. Uh, you know, I completely agree with everything we saw from Kenne and Ty today. The explosiveness, the vision, far far more eye-catching than what Alex Madison put in in the, in the first quarter. Uh, the one thing where I'm a little hesitant to cut Alex Madison, because I would love to cut Alex Madison, don't get me wrong. Um, I put Kenny Wangu as one of the main guys I saw today that I want to see how they give they feature him in the regular season. But with Alex Madison, we have to remember that uh, pass blocking is a thing for these running backs. And so you see Kenny mm-hmm. and Tyson flash with the ball in their hands. What are they doing when the ball isn't on their hands? I think if you go back, you look at that first quarter, uh, the Raiders were sending blitzes. Alex Madison was doing a pretty damn good job of picking up the free blitzer, crossing the line of scrimmage when he needed to, uh, giving Sean Mannion as much time, although it didn't matter because he's Sean Mannion and he's just statuing back there. But I think that's the one piece missing from Kenny and Ty is that they can put themselves in a position where they can be trusted blockers, then there is no reason at all to have Alex Madison blocking blocking their progress. But for now, you know, they seem like fun gadget guys. They don't seem like somebody you want taking on a big, you know, 250-pound linebacker on a blitz quite yet. I saw Wangwu in the first half catch a pass and Mm -hmm. run it for a first down. That is good to see that he does have those hands and can do that. So it's another bonus for him. What did you think of ISM getting the majority of the kickoff returns? You know, I wasn't looking at the kickoff returns uh, specifically. Uh, I do think that ISM was another one of my featured players, guys I'd like to see featured in the regular season, just as we start to think about how this offense has interchangeable parts. And it's good to see, you know, ISM and other rookies progress, especially our skill positions. You have to feel really good about our skill positions. The fact that we're dogging Alex Madison, um, <laughs> when it seems it seems like we've got six wide receivers who can play, tight ends you'd like to see a little bit more. Um, but no Justin Jefferson, no Adam Thielen, no Dalvin Cook today. And it seemed still looked like we had plenty of skill talent on the field. Hopefully some of that translates to special teams again um we do have some questions on the offensive line and that's kind of like goes back to what i'm i'm saying about alex madison is if if we don't have a running back who can pick up those blitzes and we've got garrett bradbury and jesse davis in front of that running back like what are we going to do it seems like that is still going to be a problem after watching this preseason game it was yeah i noticed both Bradbury getting shoved back and causing problems. And I also noticed Davis uh, releasing a block too early that caused a sack. Yeah, Tyler, what did you think? Uh, was Ed Ingram the best offensive lineman today? Like, I saw a lot of positives from him. I really like, and I noticed this on his film, after if there were too many times at LSU where there was nothing for him to do. He just looks to go hit somebody. 
And I think that's a really nice trade for an offensive lineman. Got a little bit of that nasty streak that you want to see. Uh, there were a couple plays early on when he had just gotten in the game where, hey, my job's done. I'm going to go hit somebody. So he goes to the right tackle and just annihilates a guy. Like I really like to see those things. I thought some of his reps looked pretty good. Um, I think he did get beat once for a sack. But, I mean, Jesse Davis looked like a traffic cone. So, like, I don't really – in essence, like, this right guard spot, obviously it's not going to Wyatt Davis. I – after watching Wyatt Davis for two years in college, like, watching the all 22 and then seeing this, I don't understand what happened to him. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, it's frustrating because I thought it was an inherently great value pick at, I think it was 85, and now he looks like he's not even going to make the roster. I think Ed Ingram's in line to potentially be the starter. And at worst, he's going to be the first guy off the bench. Yeah. The, what, what was troubling to me is that we had the full first team offensive line in and we were still taking sacks. You know, we were, we were still seeing the pocket collapse. It's that's Brian O'Neill in there. That's, that's Christian Derrissaw in there. So I don't know if it's a line call, if it's mis- miscommunication, if Bradbury and Mannion aren't seeing the same thing. But I- I'm always at the p- at the point where I think some of these line calls just still aren't right. And I'm not a film expert. I'm just watching the game. But it seems like the first team Austin for line should have their crap together. And if it, I-, I know it's not physical. I know it's not talented. I've seen enough bad Gra- Garrett Bradbury to play to just say, like, that guy is making the rest of the offensive line worse. So Jesse Davis, you know, Ed Ingram, I'm intrigued by that conversation, but I am so much more mindful of what happens at center because I think that's the more important change that the Vikings coaches might need to make. I agree completely. Now, keep in mind, the offensive line is going to take a while to build chemistry and gel, right? Why? Why? There's only one one new player. No. Well, I, I agree there, but the problem is when everybody's practicing and running plays doing every other thing, they weren't okay. allowed to hit. They've only hit okay. for a handful of days so far. It does take them a while to get into that full speed, full contact, ESP type of deal where they know everybody's moving because they haven't practiced at that. They haven't done that since last January. They're going to take... I'm not saying it's an excuse. I want them to be there. But you're saying that take... Garrett Garrett Bradbury is going to get better. No, I'm not saying that whatsoever. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I expect the better players to get better throughout the preseason. I expect them to get better yeah. in the first month of the season. Um, yeah. That we see steady progression mm-hmm. to get better and lock down that lock down that pocket, lock down the blocking assignments. Don't miss to. When I talked earlier on my show, when you're watching that offensive line, one easy way is generally when the quarterback comes up under center, the camera goes back behind him, but then it shoots to the line, the view down the line of scrimmage. If it's a run play, look to see that the whole line moves about two yards into the defense, right? If it doesn't, one of those guys is missing a block somewhere, right? If it's pass coverage, that they fall back into that nice cup shape, right? And nobody's being shoved back into the middle of the backfield like we saw today. 
I want to see that solidified. It's got to be a wall. It's got to be a wall going forward, or it's got to be a wall setting up for pass protection. And we did not see that as cohesive as we wanted to today because we have problems. We have problems in the middle of the field. And you can't fix that with what we have. He's supposedly good at calling plays, but I didn't see that today, calling this game. So, hey, what's wrong with J.C. Treader? His knees, obviously, is one of the mm-hmm. <laughs> Can but, you wear a weight vest? We've got plenty of questions coming in from the fans. Matt why Harris, didn't they J.C. Treader. Reed today? If fa- fans, um, if I y'all heard- have questions, please ask them now. Go ahead, Tyler. Dave, um, Ben Gessling said he hadn't practiced last few days and believes it's an injury thing. Um, but no specifics were given. My guess is he's just a little beat up because otherwise they probably would have given an actual reason or an actual injury. Um, probably just a precautionary too. Well, well, this is the, the five we started today are the five that are most likely to start the season against Green Bay. So... Mm-hmm. Do you think we're Possibly ready for week? Do you think we're ready for week one? What do you think we're going to need all three of these other preseason games to get ready for Green Bay? Oh, two others. Two up. Uh, yeah, two others. Two others. I th- I think we still need to see more from those two interior line spots, and we need we need to see something better than what we saw today. We need capable pass protection, and we need to not be traffic cones. Like just just be average. That's all we've really ever asked. Be average. If Bradbury can be an average pass blocker, you're talking about a guy who could be a pro bowler. Like, he's so good in the running game. If he can be an average pass blocker, just don't suck. If they can get that from the center right guard position, it's going to be inherently better on the offensive line because it's a weakling system. Right now we've got two. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes, Brian, so, we do have practice this week with the 49ers. That will be full speed with the big boys, the ones. And questions are flying in. I'll take Stevens real quick. He asked, what's the deal with switching quarterbacks in the fourth? Steven, I think O'Connell wanted to see both quarterbacks with the same group of guys. It was both quarterbacks with the ones, both quarterbacks with the twos, both quarterbacks with the threes. Yeah, making sure they get an equal amount of snaps and evenly distributed throughout Bingo. the game. Yep. Tyler, where does Tyson Chandler fit in? You covered this earlier, but let's say in your dream scenario of Dalvin Cook, Kenny Wongu, and Tyson Chandler, what is that role for Chandler? Kick returner, and uh, he's going to be your third back. Uh, he's going to be the guy to spell Dalvin Cook. He's going to be able to be utilized on third downs. One thing he was good at in college, he was good at pass protecting. Obviously, you're talking about a different caliber of athlete at a consistent basis at the NFL level. But good pass blocking traits in college usually translate to the pros. So I I would like to see him and Wang Wu get a, like a combined 15 touches a game, keep Dalvin around 20 to try and elongate his career and prevent him from potentially getting injured and really being a true workhorse. You have talent in the backfield. That's really good in a system that allows them to amplify it. Let's utilize it and try and keep your star player from really getting worn out. Related question. Can we trade Alex Madison for a center? And if your answer is no, could we also throw in CJ Ham into that trade to trade Alex <laughs> Madison and CJ Ham for a center? 
I don't know if you're going to be able to trade Alexander Madison for any kind of capital. The only way I can see it is if you have a team that has a running back go down early and you can get Alexander Madison for like, hey, we'll send you a six for Madison and a seven, something like that. Or um, six conditional or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a way to be able to move Madison for actual assets. I don't know if you're going to be able to get a player for player swap. All right. Rapid fire. Joseph Saskin, what's your prognosis of Andrew Booth Jr. today? He struggled, but he's also a rookie. He's finally healthy. It's going to take him some time, and it's especially going to take him some time to adjust to how the NFL calls penalties on defenders, and we saw that today with his first target. He's, he's, it's going to be an adjustment period. We're going to have some Xavier Rhodes-type frustrations with him, but he's going to figure it out, and I think he's going to be a very, very good pro. I don't disagree. Oh. He's not going to start, though. It's going to be Dan Slurin. Yeah, and that's probably yeah. the best case scenario anyways. Uh, my question is, you know, we saw Booth get some time. I know he's coming back from injury. But after that, you saw them put in a Caleb Evans. You saw them put in Chris Boyd, and there was no more Andrew Booth. Um, I'm saying get these guys some reps if he is healthy. And we have to kind of be at a point in the preseason right now where we realize you know, we expect these rookies to make impact. We saw awesome play from Tyson Chandler, Ryan Asamoah. At the same time, some of our more premium picks, Andrew Booth Jr., Lewis Seen, didn't really get as much playing time as I'd like to see. So if and when they can factor into our regular season is something I'm tracking for the next two weeks. Well, you got to remember the first cut is Tuesday. They'll cut yeah, five mm-hmm. players and then five mm-hmm. the next week and then the big cut. So. Yep. The coaches may be saying, you know, Booth and Seen, they've already made the team. They're not. They're in no danger of not making the team. They may want to look at that bottom of the roster guys to see if any of those guys break out to make their decisions easy. Because Tuesday, Mm -hmm. we can come up and see Wyatt Davis gone. We can see Boyd gone. We can see whoever gone. And uh, Especially with next week's game probably going to be focusing a lot more on the starters because with only three games – this is going to be True. that preseason game number three. You're going to get a long look at what mm-hmm. the starting offense is going to be. Probably at, probably a full half is my guess. So I think Dave's right. I think they were probably trying to get the, the back end of the roster in more because they only mm-hmm. have a short window. Well, I didn't see anything from Booth and Dantzler that made me think we can cut Chris Boyd right now and mm-hmm. enroll with what we've got. So... Well, Boyd may make the team, and Evans may make the team, and that may be your quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I think Evans is almost guaranteed to make the team. He'd have to have a disastrous camp. They traded a fourth-round pick and a (laughs) fifth-round pick to move up to get him at 118. I don't don't see a situation unless he has a Corn Robinson type, hey, I'm going to drive, like, drunk and 110 miles an hour up 169. Like, I think he's – I think he's a Glock. Yeah, Die was not good today. No. no, 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 he was not. And Boyd wasn't great either. I'm. I just think that we have the a luxury of depth there, but you do want to get more healthy reps from Andrew Booth before you start trimming down the cornerback position in general. That what, that's all. I, go I ahead. I got one Dave. question. What did you think of Mon Scramble? 
there at the end of the first. I think it was the end of the first half. I so yeah, let me go first because I know I know Tyler's gonna be he a missed. little be a little critic criticizing of our boy Kellen Mond. I think it's exactly what you want to see from a quarterback from a young quarterback who comes in with that skill set. Um, obviously, you want him to hit that throw because he basically lost he lost complete accuracy on his arm throwing on the run. So that's not good. And that's just a talent issue that may cap Mon ceiling, but for him to escape the pocket reverse field a couple times and then extend, uh, the find, extend the play, find the open receiver. He did find that over, open receiver. He just did not make the throw. Now, again, I compare that to the Sean Mannion, you know, third down sack after third down sack, pressure, getting balls batted down. I'll take the Kellen Mond scramble and misplay over that bullshit any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be honest, I thought the scrambling and how Mond escaped the pocket and continued to try and look downfield, I thought that was great. And I think that's a great aspect to have, one from both a developmental and a backup quarterback. The problem is, at the end when he throws the football, how how fast he's making these decisions, how confident he's making them, then the execution of the throws. Those three pieces, there's still something left to be desired. But that first piece, trying to make something happen, you can't teach that. He has it. It's fantastic. We just hope he can finish it off in a much better fashion next time. I thought so. Yeah, and and, and we give him reps to do that. I mean, he's Mm got to be quarterback too. If we believe anything about this new culture – this new coaching staff, the 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 focus that they've put on developing players, he has to be a development developmental backup quarterback right now. You have to treat him like that behind Kirk Cousins. Otherwise, you're just really continuing the mantra that Kirk needs forty five million dollars and a uh, uh, babysitter on the sideline holding the clipboard, which I just, I can't do anymore. Just cut Sean Mannion, develop Kevin Mond. It may all fall apart, but at least you gave it a try with the younger, cheaper option. I concur. Mm-hmm. What have we got ahead? Y'all, y'all are up tomorrow, right? Bingo. Join us tomorrow on The Real Forno Show. We are going to talk about this game in depth. We're going to talk about how this game hit the over and why that is going to be important for this upcoming week's game. And then we're going to have some in-depth conversations and really just have some fun. Vikings football is officially back. And this, one, makes the content more fun. Two, it makes it more enjoyable. So strap in. We're going to have a great show. Flip, are you guys on Tuesdays officially now? We are a slight maybe on Tuesdays until the real games begin. Hate to break it to you guys, but I hate preseason football. I don't like watching it. I only watched the first half today. I didn't watch a single play of the second half. So I hear Kellen Mond through the ball, but I didn't really see it live. I guess I'll watch the highlights (laughs) after this. So if I have hot takes after watching the second half, then we will have Viking hot takes on Tuesday. Got to keep y'all guessing. That's cool. Well, this week the Vikings have the uh, 49ers coming to town. They'll have joint practices. The game, if I remember 
correctly is Saturday, right, Tyler? Six o'clock, yep. Okay, six o'clock on Saturday. Uh, with the Niners in town, I will be joining Niner Sickness on his show sometime during the week to talk about the Vikings end of the deal there and maybe find out what the heck they're doing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, big mystery. Hopefully they cut him, and then there'll be a, a bid for that. But should be a fun week. Wednesday we have Vikings happy hour. The guys will get together. They'll talk about this game and look forward to the San Francisco game. And then we'll start all over again on the weekend. We should have yes, Freddie on yeah. Saturday. And like today, yeah. where we had the pregame right before the game, you're not gonna. I may put out the podcast, but you're not going to see a big, huge write up on it because we had the show and then the game. So, but yes, Freddie, you should bet, Freddie, you should bet. The Vikings over six and a half wins this season. That's a good bet. That's nine and oh. a half flip. Oh, Freddie, oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk that's nine and a half nine and a half line. It's at yeah. nine and a half. Right we're, now. Okay, we're gonna talk Freddie. about the nine and a half line. That there's there's a lot that I have to say about that. Um, you got to calm down, Freddie. We talked about it uh, a few weeks back, but that we have more information. We now have a game under our belts. And then there's there's some things we can extrapolate towards the season to try and uh, understand if that's a, a good or a bad bet. Tune in tomorrow. We'll talk about it. Make the bet it's, before it's, Kirk Cousins plays. I'll, it's I'll more than that. a simple yes or no answer because there's a lot of stuff to go into it. Hey, I want right. to thank everybody for joining us. And what do we say, guys? Skull Bike. Skull Bike, baby. Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And if you're listening on your favorite aggregator, make sure you rate us. And always feel free to join the conversation here at Climbing the Pocket. Skull, everybody.